spirit makes you feel like you got a superpower don't matter what anybody say about it matter what anybody does to me right now because I'm surrounded with his grace he's breathing new life within me ask him he'll do it if you've never tried it stop letting it only be when you're at 7600 Division Avenue. Let it be when you're in Walmart. Tell them, breathe on me. Yeah. I want to start a short new sermon series this week that's kind of going to take on the flavor of the month. Here in Birmingham, the Lord laid it on my heart a few weeks ago. Just, just a notion that there's some teaching that could be done in this space. Even though we were dealing with the issue of prayer then, I want to thank Pastor Bristol, Reverend Bristol, standing in my stead last week. Thank you. All is support. God bless us. Amen. Certainly good to see Pastor Kay here with us today. Karen and I were in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania at a wedding for one of my closest friends, son. It's a beautiful part of the country. Apple orchards everywhere. It's always good to go to celebrations put life in perspective. Our children don't see enough of those kinds of celebrations. 
we can get together at half the time. Doesn't always have to be sad. And I was grateful to God for that opportunity. We also got an opportunity to go back and see on our way there the African American Museum in Washington, D.C. So imagine, if you will, our trip was bookended by a visit to Smithsonian's African American Museum of History and a trip to Gettysburg. Yeah, it was a historical trip. The entire city of Gettysburg is all about Civil War, those fights. So we were in a reflective mood last week, even in the midst of that celebration. You've never been to the African American Museum. I, I, I honestly want to, we've taken our children here from the church on that trip in 2016. It was hard for me to realize it was six years ago that we took that trip. So we're long overdue for taking another one there because they need to see, and you need to see if you haven't, we need to get a trip, not just for our young folk, we need to get to a trip for our older folk too. You need to go and see how wonderful we are. You need to go and see where we have come from in infinite detail. You can't walk out of that museum without shouting about how good God has been to us. Are you going to get mad before you get there? Well, you're going to be good and mad before you leave, but the way they've got it designed, they let you burn your mad off before you get out. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're going to be mad when you realize how they treated us. Maybe treated is the wrong thing. How we, how we treated us too, amen. So this month, I want to I wanna start a little sermon series. Oh, I say little, but a sermon series. The title of it is Lessons from Classic Rivalries. All right. Lessons from Classic Rivalries in the Bible. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about rivalries. This month is, is famous in Birmingham because of rivalries. Yeah, now rivalries can be in different in different categories. Sometimes you can have uh, athletic rivalries. I guarantee you we would be here all day trying to determine who in certain sports were the best athletes at the time. Y'all remember some of the some of the ones we used to go we used to go through. Spoken Hill still remember uh, Magic and Bird at each other on the basketball court. They still remember. Um, the Bulls and the Pistons at each other in that category. I think you need to uh, think wider than that because it's not just athletic contest. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the, the slides are going to follow me while I'm saying this. But, yeah, time delay. Get the person who doesn't know sports off the computer. <laughs> Come on, Bears. I'm trying to pause pregnantly. Yeah. 
And it, but it's not always rivalries in sports. It's also rivalries in branding. You participated in it. Some folks say, I don't drink no Coke. If it ain't Pepsi, I don't want it. Those have been wars that have been promulgated between us and McDonald's and Burger King forever. There's always rivalries about everything. You know what most of it is? Marketing. Just marketing. You know, one group trying to get you to buy something over another group. That's what it comes, that's what it comes down to. And um, but there's some rivalries in the Bible, some classic ones that you and I have heard about that we can learn lessons from. This is what's important. I don't know how much we learn from that other than, you know, we get a little entertainment from those, maybe a lot of entertainment. But from the Bible, we can learn some lessons of how God wants us to deal with him and with other people. And so here we are today with our first classic rivalry. I don't know what the music is that, you know, that, that you, dun, 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 whatever it is that comes from. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, in this corner. Coming in at 100 pounds dripping wet. You'll find the contender. His name is David. Let's give it up for David. <laughs> yes, and coming in at too big to be any good. Eat all your food anytime you're around. Is the bad one we call. Goliath, Goliath. <laughs> this story is one that I'm sure, thank you, man. That was excellent. <laughs> that was excellent. That's all the music degrees from UAB over there. Good God Almighty. It's just, man, really. <laughs> um, David and Goliath. What lessons can we learn? from this matchup. I know you think you've heard it before. You probably have, but I guarantee you there's some lessons that come from David and Goliath that you can apply in your own life. You got to make sure you understand where they were coming from. Well, particularly David, because it's his perspective in, in uh, 1 Samuel that we learn about this story. And so the, your, your benchmark Bible scripture for this is 1 Samuel chapter 17. You'll turn there, and if you'll allow me to read the foundational scripture for you, it's verses, I'm going to read verses 32. Through 40. And I'm reading from the King James Version, and so the version that you have might read a little different. Starts in the middle of the action. All right. There's much that's gone on before this time. Verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, 
Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David was moreover, I mean, David said moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. He essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proven them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I'm going to stop reading right there. It actually gets kind of familiar at that point. David, how in the world does David, a shepherd boy, end up on the battlefield? What's he even doing there? He was not a man of war. He had been at the house. His daddy, Jesse, had given the least of the duties to him, the one that nobody wanted to do. Just like sometimes we feel in our own home, I have to do everything that nobody else wants to do in the house. But the truth of the matter is, tending sheep was a job that was left for the youngest of the crew. And here is Jesse with all these boys, and David, the youngest one, was the one who could not go to war. And so he had to go out and tend the sheep. But his daddy knew that his elder sons were all, they had been conscripted, pulled in, drafted, if you will, into the king's army to go and fight the Philistine army. Philistine army had been raging all over the country. And so in order to raise an army, King Saul had to draw men from all the farms around. Jesse, being a good servant of the king and friend to the country, sent his elder sons out to fight the war. But the war, the battlefield wasn't very far from their home. And so Jesse gets up one morning and he tells um, David, David, Find someone, if you will, to, to watch the sheep. And here are some provisions, some cheese, some wheat. I want you to take it to the battlefield to your brothers. Not just take something to your brothers. Here are, he gave them like 10 wheels of cheese. Take this to King Saul for the rest of the army as well. I want them to all be well-fed because a well-fed army is one that can fight. <clears throat> That's still true today. So the next morning, David gets up as he's been instructed by his father, Jesse, and he goes, makes the trip to the battlefield. And lo and behold, what does he see when he gets there? He sees something, Reg, that is discouraging. He sees the men who are supposed to be at war 
against the Philistines sitting back on their heels doing nothing. Well, apparently Goliath was one of those big old dudes who liked to talk stuff all the time. And he was standing up across the battlefield just talking about everybody on Israel's side, TJ. He was going in on them. I'm talking about the kind you see. Anybody here remember the Muhammad Ali, George Foreman fight? Yeah, anybody see that? Somebody here remember that. You know how much Muhammad Ali talked? He got on your nerve talking so much. But the folk listened to him because he thought he was pretty, and they did too. All right? Wasn't nothing pretty about the Philistine named Goliath. He stood across the hill and talked about everybody, including King Saul, just dogged him. Just, uh, uh, if you would, today, he was, let me see how I can put this nicely. He talked about everybody, including their mama. Including their mama. Yeah, and you know and I know that life ain't changed. Somebody gonna stand across the way and talk about you and your mama. The man and you supposed to make you get up and say, hold on now. Hold on now. And, 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 and that's not what David found. But to make matters worse, not only did he talk about them personally, the thing that David saw that really wore him out, Bobby, is that he was denigrating God. The same God who had put them in this place the same God who had anointed King Saul and put him on the throne, this man was dogging this God. Now, David probably didn't care so much that he was talking about the folk because he didn't much like his brothers anyway. How do I know that? You can read the scripture. If you read it right, you can pull all the family dynamics into it. When David shows up on the battlefield, one of his older brothers says, what you doing here? He said, you just came up here so you could see, not so you could fight, so you could see. And David said, I've come up here as our father requested to bring you these supplies. And his brother turned around. This is back and forth the brother. He said, well, what you do with them little bit of sheep you had over there? This is brother now, them few sheep is what he said. So what he's doing is dogging his little brother, basically saying, you're not even worth coming to the field. But yet he's sitting back and taking the denigration that comes from or the talking about that comes from Goliath. Nobody on Israel's side will stand up and face this man. They are all afraid because he is their champion. Now, historical records say that it wasn't just this one Philistine Goliath, that he also had brothers with him. And all of them were huge. How big? Well, he was, according to scripture, he was nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches tall. He would have probably had to wear about a size 18, 19, 20 Nike if he was going to buy some. All right. He also had his armor, his armor weighed 125 pounds. His armor. That's how heavy it was. He had a size 20 collar. And he had a 56-inch belt. This was a big dude. And they were afraid of him because he challenged them. But not only did he, he challenge them, he insulted them. He insulted, he insulted them. And David, when he arrived, 
was simply coming to fulfill a mission, just like you do sometimes. You show up sometimes just to do your thing. Nobody bothering you. But you get there and you find out that something's going on that's not only insulting to me, but you are damaging what I believe in. And if David didn't believe in anything else, y'all, he believed that God was God. And he believed that God could do anything, including deal with this loudmouth dude that was standing across the creek talking about everybody. Now, apparently, the rest of the folk... Now, wouldn't you think that these man, men of war would have had the same idea that, that David had? Can I tell you something? True faith looks reckless sometimes. David comes out there. He's probably the youngest guy out there. But he's the only one that is foolish enough to them to believe that he can do something to this man. And he goes up. He has the audacity to go up to the king and say to the king, why is no one doing anything to this man? And I'm going to ask you if you're seeing what I'm seeing in this. David was insistent that somebody should be able to do something to Goliath. And he's talking to the king. So while you're looking at this picture, lessons we learn, sometimes the picture you're seeing is not how to be brave and a winner. You're also seeing the opposite lesson on what a poor leader looks like. Because the fact that David is talking to the king who was anointed by God to do this job and the king is doing nothing to tell you that this king's one downfall or major downfall was that he lacked faith. Did not follow God. Did not believe that the same God who placed him on the throne to take him through this battle. That is, in fact, a failing in leadership. And it's highlighted by the fact that here is Saul the king of the kingdom being schooled by a child who comes in with the pure innocence of faith that God can keep me. How do I know that David had this kind of faith? Well, this John is right there in scripture. He says, my daddy gave me a job to do. And all he told me to do was watch his sheep. He said, but while I'm watching the sheep sometime at night, a lion, a lion. Yeah, he didn't say a kitty cat. He said, a lion will come and grab my daddy's sheep and drag him away. And he said, and God, this same God that I believe in, gave me the strength to go and grab this lion by his beard and get the lamb out of his mouth and rescue him. He said, because while I might be afraid of this lion, I'm even more afraid of my daddy if he don't get all his sheep back. And he said, not only was it a lion, he said, I did the same thing to a bear. And I ain't talking about Teddy Ruxpin. All right? I'm talking about a bear bear. 
he was able to kill the lion and the bear. Now, maybe it's just me, but faith shows you how God shows up in your life. Okay? And he said, now, it's just me, Linda, but if God can show up and help me with a lion, and he can show up and help me with a, a bear, then I believe that he can also show up in this instance and help me with Big Mouth over here, the Philistine. And so maybe you think that the problems you're going through in your life are big like a lion or big like a bear, but I need you to do three things in order to understand the lessons that we get from David. For those of you who don't know all the story of David and Goliath, the Bible says that once David told Saul, I'm not afraid to go fight him. I'll go fight him. And Saul looked at him and he said to him, Sidney, you can't fight him because you're too young. Now, I don't know what youth had to do with being able to beat him. But for some reason, people believe that because you're young, you can't do big things. The truth of the matter is, that's not, that's not history. That's not the Bible. Much of the things that were accomplished were done by young people. The Civil rights movement was, was turned by young people. By young people. I realized there were some older people. We, even at his height of leadership, MLK was only 30-something years old. All right? We're not talking about older season people. They were in place, but it's the young, youthful, energetic folk who come in and make the difference in how things spin. So David comes in, and because he hadn't had a whole heap of experiences in life, and the ones he has had have told him that God will be with you, He's willing to go with the God who can as opposed to believing that it's the God who can. And so Saul says to him, yeah, I'm going I'm to paraphrase in King boy. Well, David, if, you, if you're content to go out there and try to do this, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Like he's doing him a favor. All right. Since you're going to go out there, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my, my arm. All right, you can put my armor on and go into battle. And so Saul, yeah, Saul takes, yeah, like he's coaching him. Here you go, put it on. You put on my armor, my helmet, here's my sword, and you can go out there and fight him. Like, that's a favor. All right, that's a favor. And David doesn't do that. David doesn't do that. And the reason David doesn't do it is because when he puts on Saul's armor, when he takes his helmet, when he takes his sword, it's too big. It slows him down. He can't move in it. And he tells him, I can't use this because I haven't tested this. I haven't fought in this. And so he takes it off, and he wears the same uniform that he wore when he killed the bear. He wears the same uniform he used when he killed the lion. And that's the same little shepherd's outfit. He goes to the river. He takes the same weapons that he used when he was killing those things out in the field. He picks, the Bible says, five smooth stones because the weapon of choice for David was a sling. Now, I know we don't see people with a sling anymore. Uh, when I was growing up, 
boys all wanted to have a slingshot. Yeah, that's yeah. You go get a slingshot. Mason probably still got one, though, President. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go get a, a slingshot, and slingshot is simply a, a, a stick that looks like a Y with two rubber bands on it and a little patch, and you put a rock in it. You pull it back, you can hit something with it. Well, a sling is not that different, except it's still a little patch of leather with two strings on it. You put the rock in it, twirl it, and you throw it. And David was good at it. He was really good at it. How do I know? Because if you read the rest of this story, once he put the stone in the sling, he stepped back. And for all the badness that Goliath had, every giant, right, this guy, every giant has a weakness. Every giant has a vulnerability. You need to figure out what it is he got 125 pounds of armor on. He got a helmet big, his neck. He got a big old neck with something around it so you can't get to him and cut it with a sword. And he's standing there big, but there's one place on his body that had nothing on it, and that was his forehead. And David had enough strength to sling his sling and let that rock fly, and the rock hit him square in his forehead. And that was it for Goliath. That was it for him. Now, the rest of the story is kind of gory. It's like a Netflix show. I won't tell you what happened at that point. You can go and read it. But we got a lot of young folk in here. It can be kind of frightening to hear because the Bible was not rated for just, I mean, it's the truth. It's what, what he did. He had to take proof that he had killed Goliath. In the, all right. He took proof back, too. He took proof that he, that he took him out. And when and when he finished, he taught everybody out there a lesson. Because Saul then started to ask the questions. What are the questions he started to ask? He said, Who who is your dad? Who, where you from? Who your people? Is what Saul starts asking him. And David, contrary to what we're teaching children today, David doesn't try to get any glory for himself. Yes. He doesn't. He didn't stand up and he say, my name, David. My Twitter handle is at David Killing Giants, dot, 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 dot. He didn't say that. He said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse. He put all the attention back on his family and his daddy and Saul figured out who he was at that point. Because unbeknownst to Saul, David was the anointed one, to take his place on the throne. And God had already set it up so that David now had fame in the kingdom. But what are the last lessons we learned from listening to him? First of all, David showed you how to deal in this rivalry with the giants in your life. The first thing he taught you is reflect on the size of your God, not on the size of your problem. Yeah. Reflect on the size of your of your God and not on the size of your problem. All right. The only way you can ever defeat the giants in your life is to get a good look at the power and the size of God. I told you, David was convinced that God could get rid of big obstacles in his life. Because he had already shown him, I can get rid of lion, I can get rid of bear, 
and you'll be all right, and I'll save the sheep, and your dad will be okay with you. That was enough for David to understand that I can trust in God, and God will take care of me. So learn how to reflect. Now, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? How do you, you got to first have relationship with all right. You 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 wouldn't want to be David and show up on that battlefield without a relationship with God. You would not want to be him. That's not the place to test. You need to test him in the smaller things of your life in order for him to be able to help you in the larger things of life. And so the first thing you need to know is reflect on the size of your God. The second thing is this. Reject the enemy's methods. Reject him. Don't do what he does. David didn't sit there and go back and forth with Goliath. You know, the old, your mama, your mama, your mama, your mama. He didn't do that. You know, folk do that all the time. You know, he talked about me. So I talk about, can I tell you this? Most of the junk that's going on in terms of the stuff in Birmingham right now starts from this back and forth stuff. What's even worse about it is the folk don't even see each other when they're doing it because it's all on social media. People are literally getting killed in our community over Facebook posts. Over, over Facebook posts. Yeah. When you go and start investigating what happened, somewhere in the conversation comes, well, he posted on Facebook. He was going to do such and such and such and such. And that is an offense because to them, Facebook is the world. That means you just insulted me in front of the world. That's why I tell you, parents, you better know what your children do. You better know who they're talking to and how it's being talked about. All of these, those days are over when you can't be a part of that. All right. Now, I don't care who you got to go in there. You get your own fake Facebook page and go in there as Christopher Columbus and be a friend to them or whatever. But you need to get on there so you see what's happening on their timeline because they are literally putting their lives in jeopardy by the stuff they're doing. And when you put something that is considered negative or embarrassing about a child on their Facebook page and then it gets 150 likes to kids. That is the equivalent of standing in the middle of the playground being talked about and everybody laughing at you. That's what they go through. Everybody's laughing. You, As we say, he's janking on me. Or he's cracking on me is what we say when I was growing up. But they consider Facebook to be a real-life destination. And those of us who are not in that space may not understand how significant it is. And I say Facebook. I'm not even calling all the social media page because there are a whole lot more than just Facebook that they're involved in. Snapchat is horrible. Same thing. Can be used for good. All of it. All of it can be used for good. But it also can be used for negativity. So know what's going on. Reject the enemy's methods. I came to tell you that. Write that down. I can't do to them what they do to me. Not as a believer. In fact, you know what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do if we're believers. I know it's hard. 
The Bible says that if Johnny slaps me on my left cheek, I'm supposed to turn my right cheek. I didn't write it. That's in the Bible. That, that's what we're admonished to do. Y'all know, grown folk, the Bible says that if a Roman soldier comes and tells you, carry my pack for one mile, Jesus told us we need to go too. Hard. It's hard. We don't adopt the methodology. We don't treat them the way they treat us. We do different. Do not accept the enemy's methods. Now, I'm going to go one step theologically deeper on this. David never considered Saul his enemy all his life. Never. He never considered him that. Even though Saul later in life would try to harm David, tried to kill him because he was jealous, out of his mind with jealousy when he realized that God had taken his favor off of Saul and David was, in fact, the heir apparent. To make matters worse, worse, David was always in Saul's house because David's best friend was Saul's son. All right? It's a great story. It's a great story. Make it matters worse, it's true. David was brought into the king's house because David knew how to spit lyrics, as they say. Oh, he did. He could spit lyrics. He, he knew how to play the harp. And for some reason, the one who vexed Saul the most in life was also the one who had the spirit of God on him, who could calm him down the most. And so Saul would invite David into his home, and David would get on the harp, and David would play, and the Bible said it would soothe the spirits that were in Saul. Isn't that interesting? But even though David did not consider Saul his enemy, Saul considered David his. And so I'm telling you now, do not adopt the enemy's method. Because Saul, David's enemy, wanted him to put on his armor. And David said, I can't wear this stuff. Yeah, just because you want to come up doesn't mean you have to dress up like the motherfucker. You don't have to wear and do what they wear. You can learn how to be yourself. You can do what you do the way you do it. We believe that to be fully integrated into an area means we also have to imitate people. That's not true. That's not true. You have to be able to be you in that space. This is important. You don't have to change who you are in order to be accepted. True diversity means that I can be me in this space. And let me say this. I'm going to go one step further, and then I'm going to move on to my point. You raising these kids to go into these corporate environments, and they get in these corporate environments and these public environments, and they start acting like the folk in that corporate environment. And when they come home, you don't recognize them. The reason is because they have adapted the methodology of the folk they went to as opposed to being who they are. As the woman says on the TikTok video, you done forgot everything I taught you, ain't you, baby? But y'all don't go to church no more? Y'all don't do those things? Yeah, because you are becoming so integrated that you've lost yourself in. Do not adapt the methodology of the enemy. Learn how to grow into who you are by being you. 
by being you. And can I tell y'all this? It's hard. It's hard growing up being you in a space. But oh, if you can accomplish it, they'll respect you for who you are. That's why there's such a push now. Because young ladies are tired of having to cut their hair. They're tired of having to straighten their hair. They want to wear their hair natural, then they want to wear it natural. But for too long to go into a certain space, you had to wear it a certain way. You had to dress a certain way. That's why I'm slapping the ass for my sister Michelle, who showed up at the White House with her locks on for a program because they wouldn't let her do that when she was the first lady. She's trying to show them I can be fully Michelle Obama and represent who I am in every way. Do not adapt what other folk are trying to teach you to adapt. That's just not the way it should be. Reject the enemy's method. Reject what they tell you to do. Paul wrote this. He said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When you put on the full armor, the full armor is spiritual. It's not physical. I don't have to look like you to be strong. I don't have to talk like you to be strong. I don't have to act like you to be strong because I got the full arm of God on me. I can be fully me and do the things that God wants me to do. Realize that our battles are spiritual battles, spiritual battles. And I don't have to imitate folk in order to be there. When David went up against Goliath with nothing but a slingshot, nothing but a few stones, he slew him. He killed him. He was able to defeat him using what he learned how to use, and he didn't have to change his methodology. All right? And this is the last thing. Learn how to trust God in the small battles of your life. That's really the story. Sometimes we only call on God when we feel like we run out of all the resources we have. I want to give you a different process on that. Whatever it is you're going through, I want you to start including God in. Whatever, no matter how small it is, you say to yourself, I can handle this. I got this. And then when you come out of the situation, you feel like you came out of it because you handled it. And what I'm advising you to do, what I'm encouraging you to do, is to trust God in all of the small things you have going on in your life. And when you do, then you'll develop a habit of trusting God in A-L-L, Clyde Denver Sr., A-L-L, all things. All things, all things. And when you can trust him in all things, even the small things, then you'll depend on him and know you can trust him in the large things. And it's not going to be something that's going to throw you out. Look, throw you out. David was never let down by God in the small things. Never, never. And because he knew that, he had confidence that he'd be okay. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because... We send our kids away from our home out into the world, and we go ourselves. And we're good as long as we have eye shot and control over everything. We're good. I can handle, you know, you're all right. I need to be able to call you and put my hands on you, which means you're handling things. But when you send them two states away, when you send them two hours away, when you send them such that you can't contact them for whatever reason, if you've taught them to have the Lord in their life, then the same God who helped you take care of them in Birmingham is the same God who can help you take care of them wherever they are. But you got to stop depending on you to do everything. You got to fully turn it over to him in the small thing. If you depended on them, on him, 
to uh, help you, help them pick the right friends, Lord, in Birmingham. Help them choose the right people to hang out with. And you saw that that judgment was true in Birmingham, then you can have confidence that when they go wherever they're going, that the same God will guide them in picking the right friends wherever they go. But you got to trust God in those small things in life. Now, I'm not telling you something that, that's not practical. I'm telling you something that works each and every time. Know this, too. Just because you get defeated in something doesn't mean you've lost completely. We want to protect our children from any source of losing. How many of us know that that's not life for real? Nobody wins everything. We live in a society where everybody thinks they're always supposed to win. Yeah, the most significant lessons I've learned in life have been when I've lost. Yeah, because if you win, obviously you knew the code to get there in the first place. But it's when you lose that you have to sit down, replan, recalculate, reformulate what you need to do different in order to be better the next time. And that's when you start seeing true growth in yourself and in your children. There is a temptation to run from the giants in our lives. There's a temptation. But I came to tell you, just a small three-point process, that if you learn how early on to reflect on the size of the God you have in your life, if he's in your life, if you learn how to reject the enemy's method, and if you learn how to remember to trust God in the small things in your life, then David's victory that day can also be your victory. You can also learn how to grow from these things. Psalms 119 and 60 says, I will hasten and not delay to obey God's command. David took that to heart. David wasn't as offended by Goliath being big and brash as he was offended by Goliath talking about God. That's what offended David. Can I tell you what happened? If y'all don't see this, I'm going to tell you this and then I'm out of here. David, when he depended on God, when he had faith in God in that situation, actually, there was a reversal of fortune, Richard, in that situation. Because no longer was Goliath fighting David, the little shepherd boy, but because David said, I'm going to depend on the same God who came and took care of me in the sheepfold, the God who's able to take care of everything, what David was really saying is, come here, God, handle this for me. I don't have to take care of this situation because I'm putting your name on front street. I want everybody on this battlefield to know that if it ain't, it's not me doing it, it's you doing it. I want them to know the glory of God. I want them to know how wonderful you are. I want them to know how strong you are. I want them to know how powerful you are. I don't want them to know anything about David because it's not about David. It's about God. David invited God to the front of his situation. And when he invited him to the front of his situation, God showed who he was. Why don't you start inviting God to the front of your situation? Instead of trying to handle it yourself, let everybody know how good God is. And when it's all over, be like David and give God all the glory. Give him all the honor that he deserves. Now maybe, maybe you've never had a relationship with him. Maybe you've never selected 
God as the one who can lead your life. Well, today may be the day. I invite you, if you didn't know that there was a God who could take care of you like that, then I strongly suggest you try. It's good for David. I'm standing up right now, my own way down the line. I'm telling you, it's been good for me. I believe there's some folk in here who can join the line with me and say, like David, God's been good to me. If that's the case, if you know him to be that way, then you ought to share with other folk. But maybe you just learned that today. You've learned that God can, in fact, be your guide, be your source of strength. And the reason he is that way is because he made a way for us to be his children. All he asked us to do was believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus only begotten Son who came to this earth, who walked with us and talked with us, and who depended on God every single day of his 33 odd years. And when he died, he died because God required that of him. And his life was lived for us, he died for us, and God resurrected him for us, brought him back to life. We just found that out today. And I extend an invitation to you to be a part of Jesus Christ's family, God's family. Maybe you've already accepted that invitation and you've just been looking for a place to call your church. And I invite you to try for it this year. Whatever the case may be, doors are wide open right now. So ever will that come.